Welcome to Optivate, a podcast for mobile marketers brought to you by Remerge. Take a short break from your screen and listen to what's working in mobile marketing and what's not, straight from the people who are doing it now. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey everyone, you are tuned in to yet another episode of the Activate Podcast brought to you by Remerge. Today, I am your host, Tommy. And today, I have the wonderful privilege and honor of having a guest on the line with me who's just a real expert in this space and someone who I admire because I actually listen to his podcast probably more than I listen to my own because I think he's more interesting than I am. So I hope that doesn't mean for all of our listeners, you come on here and start migrating to his fully. There's room for two, I imagine. But this man is really an expert, really excited to pick his brain. So without further ado, today's guest is Matej Lancic. Matej, what's going on? Hey, Tommy. Well, good. Thanks for having me here. It's super exciting. I love it. It's a nice crossover of two podcasts, actually. Yeah, right? How's life? Where are you based out of? What's going on? Now, life's great. Busy times, which busy is always good. I'm based in Slovakia, in Bratislava at the moment. Well, at the moment. I've been always here. It's a super convenient place. I mean, I'm like 30 minutes to, to Vienna Airport. I can be anywhere in the Euro, basically, in two or three hours stops. And we have also, like for Vienna, there's like direct flight to LA, 10 hours. Easy. So, it's good. Good location. That's pretty sick. You can make a little weekend trip to LA. Yeah, a little bit longer weekend, but still works. Nice. So for anyone who maybe hasn't met you before or listened to your podcast or maybe isn't, isn't as aware of you, would love to take a few seconds, give us your background, where you've been, where you came from, you know, what got you into mobile, and then we can go from there. Yeah, okay. I'm not a big fan of long introductions, so I will keep this short. I've been in the gaming industry for 10 years already. Well, it's going to be 10 years in three days, actually. Started my career here in Slovakia, Pixel Federation, in 2012-13. Oh, of course, uh, as a, as a year manager, I took all their games from Facebook Canvas, which was a long time ago, to mobile, soft launch owner and global launch owner of the games. Then switched to one other marketing agency that works with games as well. Build a team from zero to twenty-five. That was kind of nice, right? And then switched to like full-time UA consultant. Uh, I was doing beside gigs here and there when I was at Pixel Federation just to get more experiences from different genres, to learn a lot from working with different teams, different budgets, and uh, well, different challenges as well. And thanks to the UA consultancy, I've been able to soft launch and global launch around 32 games in the last five years. And that was a hell of a ride. That was super, super exciting. And I learned a lot as well. I have my own creative team that works with me very closely, 10 motion designers. That's also a very important part of the UA operations. Okay, I made it in one minute. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you said quite a lot in one minute, right? Hey, just, you know, as a quick aside, we did 32 soft launches. Like, it was no big deal. It's pretty impressive. And I know you've spent really a career in the gaming space. What was it that led you to want to work in the capacity as a consultant as opposed to staying with one of the major studios or publishers? I think uh, it's the challenge to understand different genres and just learn a lot in a very short period of time. Because what I found out when I was at like full-time and employee, obviously you are limited by the games you have in-house. And uh, if you want to just grow and expand, always like the good uh, thing to do is just attend conferences, but it's not enough. The 
experience you have from managing those campaigns for different games and different genres that's just amazing that gives you a lot and that's like very like growth on steroids i would say i would say because <laughs> you know it's different when you talk about something and you, when you actually do these things by yourself it's a ton of work though do you find yourself gravitating towards certain types of games or genres or verticals that you seem to have a better grasp of maybe than others or that you enjoy working with more than others i would answer slightly differently it's not about the genres and the games i like to work with it's usually the people so i don't like to work with assholes so i try to avoid these people so i work only with nice people that's what i prefer in terms of the games and genres i think it's almost all the same when you work with different games and genres it's just different target audience and you need to know like what resonates well with different strategy players or casual gamers or whatever else female versus male audience but it's still it's about the audience the campaign structures and the, the strategies almost the same and so you mentioned 32 soft launches it sounds like a lot of your work as a consultant is helping game studios in those initial growth phases is that accurate it's definitely accurate, but it started, I think, when I was at the Pixel Federation and I started to looking into some knowledge or some articles about the actual soft launch strategies, and there was nothing, basically. So I started like talking to different people and started talking to like working on something that can be used and then published as well. So I found a few articles out there. So I just said like, okay, fuck it. I will do this on my own and I will create something like a soft launch framework. So since then, it's kind of nice when you try to type my name into the Google, then you see like seven soft launch articles or, or something that tried it out. How, I hope you will see how, how to soft launch a game. I am. I'm looking. Hold on. I mean, there's a lot of you and there's a lot of pictures of you looking like you're going to beat up whoever's on the other side of the computer. This one says, offers tips to improve ad campaigns and find more users. I'm looking for a soft launch. Oh, I think I found one. Yeah, it should be like how soft launch game in 2022, the most recent one. But you're everything. Had a scale UA, like a hyper-casual game. You got everything out here. That was a long like interview that I had a long time ago. It's, again, thanks to the consultancy, I work with a lot of different companies. And it's just really like in short period of time, you can learn a lot like from working with different types of companies as well. You've spoken now about how you, you saw maybe a dearth of information regarding soft launches that had pre-existed, meaning there, there wasn't much out there when you were starting to work as a consultant, right? And you said, all right, well, this is my can help. And could you give us a few of the high-level keys that you found in your experience when it comes to soft launching? that maybe are the biggest places that studios tend to make mistakes or tend to overlook? First would be companies sometimes think they can soft launch a game in one month and then global launch it and just scale to millions. Well, that's not how it works. <laughs> Even if you are you know, in development of the game for what one year, the first build you get out there can have very low numbers and shitty retention, unfortunately. But that's the part of the, the game development. Then sometimes companies try to skip the technical phase and then just jump right into running a UA in tier one countries where it's like really expensive. So you need to be sure that you, you have really your tech stack, not 100%, but 200% correct. 
Because if you're looking at wrong data, that's nothing worse than, than making decisions based on false data. That's very important. And then there are these like trends uh, out there in terms of the creatives. A lot of the, the companies use fake creatives, so everybody wants to simulate that. And if you use fake creatives or fake ads in, in soft launch, that can be also very misleading for you to make decisions because fake creatives have obviously low CPIs, but also low retention. So if you try to get the read on your retention numbers, this can be pretty misleading. Sorry, what are fake ads? A section term I haven't heard of. Oh, really? Oh, come on. You didn't see the, the homescapes and gardenscapes, fake ads or Hero Wars, fake ads. So basically, look, showing those companies or games are showing very different gameplay of, of what they have. Yeah, for mis- or let's say misleading ads. Let's say misleading. Oh, I get it. I mean, Machine Zone was famous for that with Game of War years ago, right? Like they just took tower defense ads that were in like their game and just threw them out there. But I guess for a soft launch, if you're the studio itself, you might argue the quickest way to get people into this game and trying it is to show them something that they may be already familiar with or maybe another type that's more popular than ours. Sure, but then if you're trying to measure the retention and trying to actually improve the game, it's a very good, yeah, very good approach. Yeah, you kind of immediately taint the data itself, right? Because the consumers come in with a perception of something that isn't what they, is actually the reality. And then measuring their behavior based off of that makes it very challenging to make future predictions. It's interesting. I didn't realize that that was a thing that people would do in soft launch. Yeah, that's what I, I say always. Like you should, if you are thinking about this type of approach, definitely after global launch when you all you have all the numbers in order. But everybody's talking about it, and since somebody heard it on the podcast or read about it somewhere, like oh well, we need to try this because this is this is what works for others. It's like well, this is not the approach. I always try to say or tell to everybody's like, hey guys, like great, get inspired by podcast articles and everything, but do your own homework because that's important. What everybody, like what others say doesn't necessarily need to work for you as well. And that's important for people to know, like, hey, if I say I, I'm pretty successful running soft launches in, let's say, Indonesia, well, I use Indonesia for, let's say, technical stage, but it doesn't mean I won't use it for measuring retention or monetization because I use different countries. People can say, oh, well, I heard this guy say uh, talking about Indonesia for soft lunch. Let's use Indonesian soft lunch. Like, no, try to do the homework always. But it does sound like, based on what you just said, as it's related to geo, that there is some sort of a progression of geos and it's probably based on the cost of media of each of those geos, more or less, right? Yeah, of course. So in the technical phase, I usually use like a cheaper, well, cheaper tier four country like Indonesia, Philippines and like countries where you can get the low CPIs because you are only trying to get the technical stack ready. Then if you're measuring retention, I usually use like European countries and depends on the actual genre of the game. I might use some Southeast Asia as well. But that's something I'm pretty clear about like when structuring the soft launch strategy. And then when moving to the monetization stage, tier one countries, UK, Germany or something else, not Australia and Canada anymore. It's super expensive and everybody's soft launching there. <laughs> so it's like trying to move away from those countries as, as much as I can. It makes me wonder what life would be like in Canada as it's related to like my app store. You probably just see the coolest, weirdest shit all the time that never even comes to us in the US. We only get the stuff that I guess works or copies of whatever works. It's very interesting. Canada or Australia and then Philippines as well. And oh man, those players, they see 
everything. Everybody's like doing the technical st- stage there. Everybody is like, okay, well, <laughs> I wonder what they say out on the street. Like, hey, have you seen these guys again, like doing the tech test here? It's a great game, but it's not working on my device. It's really interesting. That all makes a lot of sense. It's an interesting place to spend a lot of time. And obviously, the first thing you had mentioned around soft launch, like some of you, obviously, this is not your entire framework. You've shared a few bullet points here, right? You talk about time, and it sounds like to a degree you talk about patience, right? Which is to say, like, you can't launch a game and spend a month soft launching it and then go full on worldwide to market, right? And that you have to, as a development studio, be willing to accept that you're going to have low retention numbers probably out of the gate. Or, like, it's definitely not 100% of the time, but it's, it's likely that that could be a possibility. Yeah, it could be a possibility. Oh. The thing is, like, you can do, like, one month soft launch, but you won't get a read on, the like, how the LTV or retention evolves over time. Because if you have only, well, like, one, one month of data, like, how do you know, like, how what, like, day 60 looks like, day 90 looks like? That's the important part. Like, how the LTV is increasing over time. And the retention as well. It's an interesting call, you're right. Because with certain titles, like they don't have full payback for at least 180 days or even longer than that. But you need to build the predictions. Yeah, you need to build the predictions out of something. It's very, I mean, it's possible, but still very hard to do the predictions based on 30 days because, well, you spend two weeks in or one week in Philippines, then you have two weeks in the European countries and one week of the real monetization data in, let's say, the UK. How can you build uh, like proper accurate LTV models based on one week data? I mean, there you go. So that's what I'm trying to say with this like longer period of in the, in the soft launch. So you can see like how the cohorts major uh, over time. It's an interesting problem. I have to imagine also these businesses, and even you, right? You probably use a lot of comparison metrics. Like when you work with a casual game, there's some expectation of what certain ROAS benchmarks should look like, a D7 ROAS, that is within reason of, of a range that you see within that space. Same with strategy, MLRPGs, and so forth. Yeah, and you look all, always uh, on the retention profile uh, of these games, and you can, you know, you have all these benchmarks and which are industry standards. They want 40%, they say 20%, they pay 10%. So you always aim for those uh, KPIs, but again, even if you don't hit these KPIs, it doesn't necessarily mean that the, your game won't be profitable. It just most probably won't be super high scale. And it's completely fine for some companies. If you earn a couple of thousands a day and you, you make profit on, on those, that's fine. You don't need to make millions. And that's completely fine. And on the other hand, of course, like these smaller games won't be most probably like very interesting for like VCs and then getting like a lot of investment. But if you're a small, a small team making uh, like a few thousands a day, which eventually can be pretty nice salary and at the end of the month, why not? It makes me wish I could develop a game or right? any technical prowess at all, but I'm completely inept and have no idea how to build anything, frankly. We are the marketeers. We try to get those yeah, users back to the game and back, back to the game, right? So. I could use a cool side hustle like making games. So in any case, it's, I mean, again, you, you spent so much of your career now in games. We just discussed the soft launch piece of this and how you saw that there was not enough material on that. And you've put some of your time and energy into focusing on that top topic, obviously amongst others, right? I know your team has done an extraordinary job building out um, some in, incredible creatives for your partners. It's, it's all over your website and, and all of your materials. You guys absolutely kill that. But you also have now produced content in the form of your podcast, Two and a Half Gamers, right? Now, talk to me about why 
you launched at and what, what the goal was here? So we, we had these, these discussions on a weekly basis with, uh, with my friends Felix and Jakub before, and we brought one guy on on this call, and then we discussed usually like what's happening around us. We discussed like what's the day-to-day job on the UA, game design and monetization side of things. And then he said, like, oh, well, look, guys, like, this is actually pretty useful and valuable. You should definitely record that and go for a podcast. And since we were already, like, doing the podcast with Jakub in Slovakia, which we have as well on the site, I was like, okay, well, let's try to do it, like, worldwide. And it was super hard and challenging, obviously. And the first episodes are, well, they definitely suck. <laughs> and we are, <laughs> we are not, of course, we are not professionals and we just talk, but we are having fun. We labeled it as no bullshit gaming podcast because, well, we try to share as as much as we can from our day-to-day jobs and make those episodes and sessions really valuable for players, Uh, not players, (laughs) for people, (laughs) it's the players. You know, I always think about players (laughs) from the UA point of view, but we are getting pretty good feedback and I guess it's also very big fun to record on a weekly basis. I know Felix is looking forward for every Friday when we record this, like this is amazing. (laughs) You guys record on Fridays? Yeah. Oh, well, depends. And they usually do it on beers, Friday. Little Friday hanging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice. It's nice. Sometimes we have a drink. Sometimes we don't. It's nice Friday. You mentioned that part of like the mantra is no bullshit, right? Talk to me about that because to say no bullshit is to almost imply that there's a lot of bullshit out there otherwise. Oh, right? yeah. So much. What does bullshit look like to you? What does it mean to be no bullshit, I guess, is the question. Well, when you ask questions, you get straight answer. And that's no bullshit. If you ask a question and the other side is talking like about nothing for four minutes and they say, well, I can't say. I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Why do you go on a podcast and say zero valuable things? That's the bullshit. Well, I mean, this industry is, yeah, it's unfortunately like this has been a space that's so full of buzzwords for so long, right? You could get away with grabbing on a single topic and just talking about it and not actually having an opinion on it. And so I guess that's part of what you guys are looking to avoid. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And we also like call out bullshit during the, the episode. If if I ask a question and Jakub or Felix say, is trying to like avoid the answering, like, hey, come on, man, there's no bullshit podcast answer. But give me an answer. That is important. There's no hiding on two and a half gamers. There's nowhere to run, my friends. All right, so you guys cover everything product, acquisition, monetization, predominantly, correct? Yeah, yeah. A very straightforward question. What's interesting to you guys right now or to you by, like personally right now, right? There, this has been a space that... I mean, I've been in this space for, what, 12 years now or something like that? And the last three years have been the craziest I could ever imagine. And nothing really compares. People try to say deprecation of UDID into IDFA. And it's like, no, that wasn't even close to this, right? But all that being said, a lot's happened coming out of it or where we are now. What's like kind of something that's top of your mind? So everything is interesting. Come on, even the change on the IDFA side, that was really tough for a lot of companies. But still, it's, it's still pretty, pretty, we are pretty able to run, for example, UA on iOS. It's just hard. And that's the fact. And, but it's like, you know, the challenge is the part of our job. Yeah. I mean, you can run it now because probabilistic attribution still exists, right? If that were to go away, for the most part, SKN network would not provide enough insights to most marketers. That can be a discussion. I mean, some games that I manage, thanks to the SCAD conversion schema, are able to get like pretty good amount of towards the UA channels, and that kind of works. But that's, again, 
this is something that you need to be aware of and you need to work very closely with the game team to be able to provide this type of information on the like the first 24 hours. Uh, scan 4.0 will change uh, some things next year most probably, but that's all we'll see. But everything else, like what's interesting, uh, we are also covering on the podcast like different global launches that happen like right now, the Marvel Snap. Previously, we talked about the Survivor IO and how they are doing their like UA. We talked about like how much money they make on that ad side. Felix was trying to predict what kind of numbers they are actually earning on that monetization. Diaco was talking about why they actually make like almost two million a day in in-ups and like what's the meta behind the whole game. And from the UA point of view, I talked about the TikTok strategy and everything else. So it's like these type of things are super interesting because always like there's new game. I'm always trying to say and trying to look what they do on the UA side and how I can actually learn from that because, well, of course, it's always like every day is, is learning, learning day. That's how we keep ourselves on the top of the game. So you guys have spent some time lately talking about Survivor Dio, which is by Habby, right? Yeah, by Habby. And that's their new... I'm not sure if this is... It's not a hyper-casual game, is it? Well, it's... The hyper-casual is only the looks. The game is, is definitely very far from hyper-casual. The visual style is... That's something which is amazing from the UA point of view. I'm pretty sure that their CPIs, thanks to the theme, the zombies, and the horde of the, of the enemies work super well. So that's like definitely part of the success. Because it's, it's already like surpassed the Archero in terms of the revenues by far. That was the best game they had before, so easy. Did you you generally just figure out there are pool where they actually make somewhat of estimates you using what sensor tower or some sort of third party tool? Yeah, it's 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 usually a combination of different tools. I use sensor tower, also um, mobile action and, and social PDF for like different bits and pieces of the UA because different the tools show different numbers as well and different channels. Okay. It's interesting. And when you're talking about these, you're usually taking the opinion of the user acquisition expert and Felix takes the ad monetization and Jakob is products. Yeah, exactly. So if it's two and a half gamers, which of you is the half? Is there a half here? <laughs> wow, that's a very good question. So there are two answers to, to this. Obviously, there is the half gamer, which can be perceived as on the gaming side. So Felix is not super big gamer as we are with Jakub. And on the other hand, is I'm pretty short. So when I stand next to Jakub and Felix, you can clearly see who is the half gamer. Felix is tall. I worked with him back in the day. He's not someone I look forward to standing next to. <laughs> exactly. He's super tall. So there, there you go. Okay. Those are both good reasons. Is this going to be the future of the podcast? You think as well? You think you'll keep this, like, this format? Do you think gaming is what you guys will continue to focus on as your subject matter? And is there enough there to focus on into the future? Very like endless opportunities and topics you can talk about. I mean, we started doing this like mobile company happy hours where we talk, well, we try to deconstruct like a different public companies from Rovio, King and Ubisoft. Then right now we switch this towards the global launching. So I guess we will come back at some point to again like try to deconstruct the companies and how they do work on the like the overall company strategy. There are so many things that come up like during the week right now on Friday we're going to have a guest and we're going to talk about like product reviews and how to do it like quickly when some like global launch happens so 
you download the game and what to look for. So that's something that we are going to discuss. And it's like everything is changing almost like on a monthly basis. So there's plenty of stuff to, to discuss. What's a topic that, if there is one, that gets you like fired up or that you feel that you might have the most like heated debate on or most disagreement on? Is there something that, or do you guys feel you generally agree on everything? No, we turn the shots. We're very far from agreeing. I usually, everything which is connected to UA and, and bullshit around UA that gets me heated so much. So right now, yeah, I sent the newsletter, which was already like heated quite heavily because I was listening to some podcasts and just listened to a lot of bullshit that, that happened. So I immediately made some comments in my newsletter. So I around like device targeting and then something that is out there thanks to one guy from Uga that made the research and now some of the like UA managers are claiming his job as their own and that's something that I just can't listen to. And so he did work around a device targeting analysis and other people claim credit for it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a little bit weird, but what can we do? There are some people that I don't know, backbone, I guess. No, I mean, it's an interesting space. Obviously, the gaming space, there's just so much happening and it's interesting because on top of every layer that has kind of hit our industry over the last three years, right, you could think Pandemic, that changed the gaming space in a lot of ways. Privacy changes, that changed the gaming and, frankly, every space in a lot of ways. But mo a lot of the gaming space because of its impact on potential ability to buy certain CPMs and monetization strategies for game studios, right? You talk about the recession and how that might impact games. But then on underneath all of those macro kind of trends, you have trends at each different vertical. And each of these verticals or types of games or genre is impacted differently by these trends that are going on at a macro level, right? Hyper-casual games, for example, some people would argue that they don't have really a future at all right now because of what's happened with the idea there. I'm not saying I would argue that, but I am saying it is something I've read, right? Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Like some people already said hyper-casual is dead for 10 times in the last four years. And look, they're still out there. They're still out there making money. <laughs> getting acquired some people just wish hypercasual won't exist anymore but i'm not sure if that's going to happen anytime soon it's just again like it's a little bit harder for them to monetize but still uh, they are you know hustlers they're trying to find loopholes and trying to find like how how to survive and yeah i, I think they're doing a good job the monetization piece there will always be i think new forms of monetization new ways to find revenue the bigger challenge not the bigger but the equal challenge, I could argue, is actually getting the people to want to play your game in the first place, right? So if you can get them in the door, you have opportunity at least to make money at some point. And that's just a matter of iterating and finding novel solutions. True, but the UA is changing all the time. There were some days when we just ran Facebook or Google, the main channels and nothing else. Right now, it's just if you run Facebook only, well, you're screwed basically because Facebook is dying for last what six to twelve months. The quality is not there anymore, and it's pretty hard to actually get profitable campaigns on Facebook these days. So you know, like we're moving away from Facebook as much as we can, and there are these TikToks and the ad networks and everything that can work, and it's just shifting elsewhere. And that's gonna yeah, that's gonna change in the future again, most probably early next year. Well, nobody knows. It's definitely gonna change, right? We hear a lot right now about connected TV, which is something that. I think this space hadn't really thought about in a while. I know when you think again, you brought machines on once, like they were one of the first studios along with King and Supercell to really take advantage of linear TV, right? And now we see people now seeing a hey, connected TV, we can actually measure that performance and uh, 
we'll continue to see more and more platforms and mediums become available for user acquisition. But it is good to see diversification, right? Because we'll make Facebook play by the rules of everyone else as well, uh, eventually. At least SKI Network makes that happen. It's a lot happening. In any case, this has been fun, man. I hope we get to have you on again. And uh, I would love to have you on, talk more about whatever it is you want to talk about at any point. But for all of our listeners, how can they find your podcast? Well, just uh, look for two and a half gamers. That's us. It's pretty easy. You can subscribe on YouTube or, or Spotify, but you need to also listen to Optivate Podcast as well. At the same time, Gustavo <laughs> will kill me afterwards. No, I won't. Well, here's the thing. We don't only talk about gaming here, right? So I think if you are in the gaming space, you do yourself a disservice not listening to a podcast focused on gaming, right? Like you guys, this is exactly what you're talking about. We talk about a little bit of everything, but I tend to think my podcast is a no bullshit podcast and Mate's might be a bullshit podcast. Who knows? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They're awesome. They're all great. Please go listen to Two and a Half Gamers. And if you want any information around soft launching, any information around how to execute successful user acquisition, please hit a Mate. Nice. Thanks, Tommy. It was amazing. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. To our listeners, today's guest is Mate Lanchich, who is a mobile media expert or UA consultant and the host of Two and a Half Gamers podcast. Thanks again, dude. Thanks. Thanks for taking a break with us and listening to our weekly episode of Activate by Remerge. If you enjoyed what you heard, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. The more people you tell, the further we can spread these awesome mobile marketing insights. See you next week.